Welcome back to Boys and Ghouls Film Review, folks. I'm your host, Sarah Stevenson. This is my co-host, Mike Stevenson. Hi, guys. And tonight we are re- reviewing the movie Creep Show that was re- released in 1982. Yeah, that's the original one, the first one. There were several, several Creep Show movies. There was a Creep Show 1, then Creep Show 2 a couple of years later, then Creep Show 3. Now, Creep Show 3 is a red herring because... The first two movies were based on Stephen King's stories. Mm. The third one wasn't. Ah, uh, ha. Mm-hmm. How's that going to be? Ah, So, anyway, um, I thought, seeing as we, we've already reviewed both the TV series, season one and season two. Yeah, we did, I th- didn't we? Yeah. yeah. I thought we might go back a, a few, year, a few back years to, to where it originally came from. So we've so we've gone back to the first movie in a sense because at this very moment they're releasing the third season of Creep Show at That's this right, very yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. We just watched mm. a few episodes of it last and night. Good, actually. And they're pretty mm. good. And I I'll, I'll probably review it next time. Yeah, we might do a couple of those. Mm. Once no. this series is finished, I w- I don't want to miss a- any episodes that yeah. you Anyway, Anyway. I'm going to do a bit of a, a talk through what I normally do before she starts tattering away about the story. Mm. Okay, um, now, produced by Richard Rubenstein, mm. directed by one of our little heroes from way back when, George Romero. George A. Romero, sorry. Yeah, don't but confuse him with his he, son. He had a little boy called George Romero. Um, mm. A screenplay by Stephen King. Now, all these stories have been written by Stephen King. Yeah. Okay. Every story in the movie. There were two that were specifically written for the movie. They weren't actually short stories which were made into the movie. They were just made as hmm. uh, screenplays for this production. Now, okay, here we go. Um, the film is a homage to EC horror comics of the 50s. Hmm. We liked that period. We we liked the old movies and stuff back in there. And I liked the old comics. Um, mm. And Tales from the Crypt, I mean, I remember now, there was a comic called Tales of the Crypt way back then. Mm. True. I, it was a little bit before my time, but I was reading something like that when I got a bit older. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, interesting. I wouldn't be surprised maybe the, maybe they got influences from Tales from the Crypt. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm only guessing because the Crypt Keeper, <clears throat> the old one, not the John Cassier one I'm thinking of, but the earlier one, he does make me think of the um, of the of the of this creep show keeper in this wasn't one. Wasn't he a bit? Wasn't he the? Didn't they do an English version of that? Mm. The English one. The, oh, you're no, thinking I can't of remember. Tales of the Crypt. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, the Tales of the Crypt. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. Okay, now I won't go into too much. Uh, budget was eight million. Mm-hmm. Box office was twenty one million. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I obviously the box office wasn't great because a lot of people don't like watching anthologies. That's why I guess that movie. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, I th- believe it did really good on home media. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. It, uh, everyone likes it. Well, most people like it. Even, even a lot of re- reviewers well, liked it. My theory is um, if, yeah. it, if people are so anxious to watch the c- TV series, then no doubt they've developed a fan base for it. Yeah, but it's 92. It's be- uh, 982 was the beginning of it. They didn't yeah. have a fan base until it actually started. Mm, true. Yeah. But, uh, but it didn't yeah. stop them mm. from making. Um, yeah. um, Number uh, movie two and number three. Yeah, because know. it did actually make enough profit to make it interesting. Like I said, the home media mm. 
back in those days, VHS and better, uh, were probably doing quite well at the shops and the sales and whatever, you know, rentals. And so people said, ooh, we're making more money out of this. Let's make another one. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again. Okay, there's quite a few people involved. I'm not going to mention every person in every show, right. every, part, every part of the anthology. But I will mention a few things just in passing before we pass it over to our storyteller. Now, mm-hmm. I will mention one thing. Um, Joe King. Play, or or Joe is, Hill. Go on. Can I actually finish the sentence? I know, but uh, I could see why he changed I his name. Gonna say, who would I was going to say Joe King, who was also known uh, professionally by the name of Joe Hill, is Stephen King's little boy, and he actually plays Billy Hopkins in the uh, prologue and epilogue. He's mm. a little boy who likes writing creep, uh, reading creep, creepy comics. He's got a mongrel father who doesn't like them. Okay. Mm. Uh, Tom Savini, who's um, part of the special effects and... Team. Team, and uh, amongst other things. <laughs> he mm. does lots of things, I think. Uh, plays a, does a cameo as a garbage collector at the yeah. end of the movie. One thing about George A. Romero is he often... Um, Sometimes in his, some of his earlier movies, like um, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and probably the Night of the Living Dead, he would always cast even his the crew members Why in, not? in the role Why not? It saves money. Too. You're paying them to stand there and do something. They're not doing something. Get in frame. Now, it saves money. Now, okay. now some of the stories here. Um, Father's Day has John Lormer in it and Vivica Lindfors. The guy who plays the corpse is John Amplis. Hmm. Uh, as a, mo- a story, the lonesome death of Geordie uh, Verrill. Geordie uh, is played by Stephen King himself. Mm-hmm. Um, something to tide over you. Uh, it's the main star of that is Leslie Nielsen. We all ha- also have a young Ted Danson in it. Hmm. Now. Hmm. One of my favourite ones, got two interesting actors, is a crate. Hal Holbrook and Fritz Weaver are in this one, uh, and a lady by the name of Adrienne Babu. Babu is the right pronunciation, I think. But the, the last one, the creepiest one, one person in it, E.G. Marshall. And he's, he's person, his name is Upson yeah. Pratt. And he is one of the biggest prats I have ever come across, mm. hence the name. And this is one of the shows that were purposely written for the movie. Yeah. It wasn't a short story before. Yeah, it's mm. interesting yeah. because in that one, it takes place in one location, yeah, one, one spot. room pretty much, or one little apartment, and uh, it had a cast of thousands, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> thousands of cockroaches. Oh, I let the cat out of the bag. Oh, there we uh, go. Anyway. Um, yeah, as I said before, I won't... Um, go into too much details because I've be I've yeah. discussed <laughs> the creep show before in both t- the TV sh- <clears throat> show ones. I mentioned Joe Hill, who's been in this, and how he's also a, a writer in his own right. So I won't go into details about that too much. So anyway, I'll just dive into the story, shall I? Splash. Okay, the story begins. Prologue-wise, yeah. um, little boy, little boy Billy is being tr- mistreated by his dad, or or well, he is. You give him a hard time. Yeah. Well, they call him Stan, which could be a stepdad. For all I know, maybe. No, all it says he's abusive father. Mm-hmm. He could be a stepdad. He could be his father. I got no idea. Doesn't really say. 
He's not very fatherly. Anyway, his dad um, frets to throw away his creep show comic into the garbage. And it's during a thunderstorm and and all the, um, and it's really creepy. It plays sort of the, a little bit of like the rendition of Halloween at the beginning, when you think about it, with a little bit of creep show thrown in. Anyway, he fr- he takes it out to the gu- to the curve where the bin is, and he heads back inside. His wife is um, telling him, "You shouldn't do that. It's not nice, all that stuff." And he's saying, "This is why fathers are inventory." Yeah, the, the assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The Tom yeah. guy. Um, he's actually he was also in Season of the Witch a year after this movie, and he's and but I won't go into details about that. In this movie, um, we're talking about this not. Season of the Witch. Okay? I know, but he's been in a lot of horror movies, plenty Plus, on my plate, well, including The man. Fog, too. No, come long. That was done by John Carpenter. We have a long way to go. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so, Bill is up in his room and he's saying, I hope you burn in hell to his dad. And then we see in the w- window. The creep. Yeah, beckoning him. To the window. And then he transforms into an animation, and yeah. there we start. Um, we get, he points to the crypt keeper. I mean the crypt comic. I mean, cri- yeah. um, I mean creep, creep show, show comic. Yeah. And and Point. we then get a bit of a po- you know credits. Uh, you know the title card, and then we roll into the first yeah, of stories. Put, put in the, it starts off a couple of panels of the uh, story in cartoon form. Then. It, Goes yeah. to drool. It's, yeah. uh, it's backwards and forwards between animated and which is a really good transition. Yeah. Probably yeah. Um, yeah. inspiration yeah. behind the TV show. Yeah, so, really. anyway, it begins with Father's Day. And this I one is like about. It's about a, a wealthy family and they're. They're, and how they're just there to celebrate an, an, a, Father's a, a, Day. Father's Day. Mm. Because a, their father or grandfather, or who knows, is long dead. And somehow, well, it would have been father, but the younger people would have been their grandfather. Yeah, yeah. grandfather. The, the older grandfather. lady would have been the father. Anyway, mm. um, he was m- murdered by his own daughter, and these guys. The they're... daughter was a carer. Yeah. But he was a really nasty, horrible turd, so he deserved what he got. Yeah, and I won't reveal the details, but he then does rise from the grave, and he looks for his case. So he kills his daughter, who killed him. And then he kills somebody else who came out looking for the, the girl, the lady who got killed. Uh, and then he goes into he kills a maid, the house. Which and they, is yeah, now killed the servant lady in the kitchen, or whatever. Yeah. And then the the other daughter, I believe, came out there, the older lady. She mm. came out looking for what's going on, and she didn't come back out of the kitchen. There's only two people left. Yeah, the grand two grandkids. Yeah, they try to go search for their. The, their um grand their mum or something, or whatever, and, and we then then the mm-hmm. um their grand their grandfather appears and he says I found my cake. He got this Happy Father's the, Day the, to me. Yeah, so he got, he got the head of the lady who went in the kitchen looking for the maid on a on a platter with icing over it with three or four candles sticking out of it. Very nice. And they're done. screaming their tits off. Yeah, well, as one would, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That was story one. Yes, and moving on. The next one is called The Lonesome Death of Geordie jo- Verrill. That one, as Mike mentioned earlier, has Stephen King in it. And yeah. he plays a really rumbling farmer who who encounters a meteorite 
that turns out to cause a bit of damage damage to his farm and to himself. And in the end, he ends the place ends up turning into a a gr- well. Well, no, I won't. I'll try to explain it because Sarah, Sarah's lost the words here. What this small meter outside of the basketball lands in his property, just to his farm, gas station, whatever it is. Uh, and he goes, oh, I can make money out of this, so I can sell it to the local school, school college, or university, or university, whatever. And it breaks open. There's a goo inside it gets into the ground. Mm-hmm. And this gooey stuff makes everything like grow like grass, whatever, weeds, whatever. And he gets some on his fingers. Yeah, and he starts licking his fingers like this. And anyway, during the story, you know, Sarah will tell the rest of the story, but while he's inside doing stuff, you see things like the ground starts turning green, weeds coming up, and 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 even the pail that the meteor is in, he put, he put the meteor parts in the uh, into in, a, bucket. in a bucket, it starts sprouting green stuff out yeah, of it. Yeah, every and meanwhile, yeah, and you'll all, take over. And all the time he's walking around his uh, his house, yeah. more green is starting to sprout where he sits or stands or. Some touches something, touches something. Yeah, yeah. and at one point, um, some of the green stuff is starting growing on him. Yeah, on his hands, on his chest, on his, on his back. tongue, back, whatever, and down there. Mm-hmm. Well, he did go to the toilet, didn't he? he did have to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, but by the end, he, well, I want to reveal you what happens next. It's really funny. Let's just say he's in touch with nature. Yeah. Um, The next one is called Something to Tide You Over that deals with a wealthy man who is trying to get even with his ex-spouse and her ex-lover. And this one's Leslie Nielsen. I love Leslie Nielsen. He plays straight roles straight and he plays comic good. He's really good. Mm, Yes. And it's um, an interesting (coughs) ending to this one and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is... I've got a little bit of an overview. Okay. Leslie Nielsen's wife is having an affair with a young Ted Danson. It's obviously Leslie Nielsen has a young bride. Uh, yeah. And um, Leslie Nielsen sets up a way to get back at both of them in an ingenious way. You could say he, he takes them to the beach for an outing. Yeah, but don't misinterpret <laughs> But He plays an absolute nasty. Oh, he's in this nasty, one. but it's a funny nasty. Yes, funny nasty. This is a comedy horror, yes. so he does the comedy part so well. Yeah, beautiful. I always yeah. love it when it mm. deals with um, wealthy, nasty people, yeah. and they get their just desserts. Yeah, what, yeah, what goes around comes around in this case. Yeah. Yes, and mm. by these people go their just desserts, they in turn serve him a bit of dessert. Yes. <laughs> won't say too much more because it will give some of the information away and we don't want any spoilers going out because of those young guys out there, young people who haven't seen this because it has been done, what, what 40-odd years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good watch. Now, mm. the next one is called The Crate and this one is not a bad story. And actually, it's, it's getting meatier. The, so, the stories are getting a bit meatier. Yeah, and this one uh, is. Yeah. I think that's the interesting thing. I think that stays so soft, soft, medium, and hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it starts off, yeah. Um, you know, well, I don't feel that feeling here, but I, I felt it in the second move, yeah. movie that that it had a little bit, it started growing a little yeah, bit yeah, more it, meat. It gets more intense. Yeah, anyway, yeah. this one mm. is pretty interesting. It talk, takes place in a university, and a professor finds, um, or at least his janitor finds, finds an old, uh, crate. old crate that's detailed 
I don't know what oh, it says I, on it. It says uh, Arctic Expedition 1832 or something or other. And, yeah. and the crate is built tightly. Yeah, yeah it's an old-fashioned wooden crate where it's got nails in the top and it's got chains around and stuff like it's not meant to be open till Christmas, you know? Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the professor and the janitor open it and we find out there's a creature inside. He's been living He must have been very hungry. He's been there for over 150 years. Mm-hmm. And, he, <laughs> yeah, and, they, right. and they weren't the only ones that see him. A student sees him and nearly and gets devoured by this thing. And the professor, he runs back to a colleague who's uh, having an unhappy time with an unha- with a, in an unhappy marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, mar- he, he's married to a woman who's um, total... She's a bitch. A total bitch. <laughs> well, it's the only way to put it. She's a real bitch. And it's, he it's, fantasizes in... in he likes to get, her, get, get rid, of her. rid of her. And he sees, ah, this creepy crawly guy, this creature might be a good way to get rid of his wife. Yeah, so he hmm. heads... He drugs his friend, the professor, and he heads over there, does a bit of maintenance cleaning. Clean, cleans up all the blood that was around, then he phones yeah. his wife to get her able to Well, he sends her a letter saying he wants her to come to this, the lab because um, his friend, that's his right. colleague, was in trouble. That's right. And he couldn't use her... her Help. Nice touch, or because something. he got he got a, one of the female students into trouble or something rather. Yeah, and she needed a woman's touch to talk to this little girl. So ah, she ah, heads ah. over there, and he taunts the creature to get up and kill his wife. At first, doesn't stir, and she begins mocking him, saying nasty things about how he's you're useless. useless, you're lame, you're all, and all of a sudden, this creature grabs her and gobbles her up, and he gets yeah, back into the box again. Yeah, and then mm. of course, the the man. Chains up the box, box again. Uh, I wish he could have nailed it down. Could have been a better, better way to get... Well. Anyway, he then takes it to the quarry, a, you know. It's a flooded quarry, yeah, yeah, rather deep. Yeah, and he dumps the creature into the into the water. Hoping to drown it, kill it, And he of it. tells his mm. colleague what he did, and they are satisfied that that was the last time they'll see this creature. And they can live happily creature. ever after, and I'm not going to tell you what happens after that. No. Because that's, that'd be a spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, the next story on the chopping block is they're, they creep up, up on, on you. They are cre- they're creeping up on they're you. They're creeping up on you. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And in that one, it deals with just one person, but there's a few voiceover people yeah, yeah, here, yeah, here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah, colleagues and maintenance men and stuff. But yeah. it's, it's pretty much yeah. a man alone in his sterile Domain. unit in an old building. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, one, of those, one of those people who don't like germs. He's yeah. A clean freak. Um, there's a name for it. Yeah, um, germophobic. Germophobic, that'll do. Uh, yeah. yeah, he doesn't yeah. He doesn't like germs and horrible, creepy, crawly things. Yeah. He wants Throughout the sterile sense, area. And he's yeah. a wealthy <clears throat> creep. Oh, yeah. Wealthy and, creep. Yeah, and he cheeses anyone who comes on the phone or even at the door. He's nasty. Rude, everybody vents it, and he calls them it bugs or or nasty. Or he, he refers to everybody's nasty, you know, in, in nasty terms. How's that? Yeah. yeah, and then somehow there's a blackout, and this causes um, something weird fiction going down. Yeah, you don't know what that the blackout because interesting. Maybe that had something to do with the uh, the next part of the story. Oh, I've got no idea. Yeah, and somehow it causes a lot. Of, um, there was a phone call earlier in the story where a woman accused him of causing her husband to commit suicide. It was a business takeover and he screwed him over. Yes. Yeah, yeah. big business. You know, someone's going someone's gonna to be and uh, she cursed when, when someone him. lose. It, yeah. And she cursed him, which could have an indication Curses to it. Curses foiled again. 
Anyway, <laughs> then these roaches appear all over the house. Oh, coming out of drains and toilets and stuff and every yeah, yeah. air vents and it, yeah. well, actually, I, I want they use twenty thousand cockroaches. Twenty thousand cockroaches, cockroaches for this scene. Craigie, that would take a lot of fly spray and stuff to get yeah. rid of, wouldn't you? And, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I won't go into details yet. Let's just it's say it wasn't a happy ending for this man. Yeah, and then mm. we we then cut to the epilogue. Yeah, that's the epilogue. Epilogue, epilogue. that's very good. Uh, yeah, epilogue, very good. Yeah, yeah, where the comic is still lying on the... In the garbage the, or on the ground? No, on the ground. Next, yeah, it blew, blew out of the garbage yeah. on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And two uh, garbage men... Tom Savini, obviously. Savini and somebody working. else. Yeah, and they see the comic <clears throat> and they just and they go through it and they notice uh, a voodoo doll article. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, advertisement. Yeah. And, and but fortunately, the coupons had already been taken out. Yes. And then we go. And it. then we go inside the house. And the dear old dad has got a, got a pain in the neck. Yeah, saying he's been having pains all night. And he, and his wife says maybe I should get you some Vengay, whatever. Oh yes, maybe some sort of cream or painkiller yeah. or something. Meanwhile, or, yeah. Billy up in his room is using the voodoo doll he purchased yeah. through the crypt show, and and attached a bit of his dad's sweater Sh- in on it. A shirt or shirt tail or he something. Wore, a, bit uh, of, a bit of a bit of material anyway yeah, off his wore clothing. Previously. And a bit of hair. Yeah. He, he found somehow or other have a hair brush. Yeah. yeah, and he starts stabbing <clears throat> at the um, voodoo doll. You know. And every time he, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, yeah. And so Dad was being punished quite severely. Yeah, mm. and then we fade out. But wait a minute. What? It get, also, it goes back to the creep show guy. Oh, yeah. The the image of the boy punching at the voodoo doll it, then it transforms into the um, cover, the of, the cover next of the next <laughs> creep show, which appears in um, creep show two. Two, there you go. The movie. Yeah, so a, a good ending. Yes, the so, end. So we didn't want we didn't want to gloss over it too much. We didn't want to say too much because it's five stories, and we don't, we want to keep it special. Yeah, and Mike's yeah. found some interesting things about um, the oh. last story he mentioned, which I want to hear which more bit? about. Uh, the, you know, the um, one about oh, the... Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll go through some of that. I would love to hear a little bit more about that. I'll go through the production notes. I will come along that in a minute. Yeah, production... Uh, now, in keeping with Romero's tradition of filming in and around the Pittsburgh area, mm. he must live in that area or lived in that area, mm. uh, the film was shot in an empty all-girls school located outside Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Mm. So they converted some of it to studios and did some of the film actually in there. Really? Aha! Good if you get a good location, hey guys? That's amazing. Uh, the school's converted to a film studio, like I said, and the episodes Lonesome Death of uh, Jody Verrill. They're creeping up on you, as well as the prologue and epilogue were filmed entirely at the school. Hmm. Very saves moving people around, doing it. Um, Except for the beach one, I mentioned that's probably no, filmed no, at the no, beach. No, no, I said those three stories. Okay, those three stories. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, now the cat, the crate. Most of the interior and exterior shots for the university sequences were filmed at the Carnegie Mellon University. Hmm. That's where Romero used to go to... Uh, study? Study, yeah. Wow, that's cool. Uh, wait. Now, with Margaret Morrison Hall serving as Amberson Hall. So anyone who knows the college uh, would know that area. Hmm. Now, the backyard party that they had in the uh, crate uh, story was actually filmed in Romero's own backyard. Cool. So, 
He's, well, hey, why hire a place when you got a place of your own? That is clever. Uh, Father's Day was filmed on location at a mansion in Pittsburgh, uh, in the Pittsburgh suburb of Fox Chapel, Pennsylvania. I don't mm. know why I went that far away. Um, Maybe it was the only... F- well, I don't know. It's Father's Day. It was on location at the mansion. It could have been a mansion a bit closer to home. Anyway, Something to Tide Over You was filmed on location at Island Beach State Park, uh, Berkeley Township, New Jersey. Mm. Okay, so again, they're moving around a bit here. They might have had towns help different film crews too, hmm. which would have made it a bit easier. Um, now, here's something. In a 2015 interview uh, with Ted Dance, and he explained that Bree Shotwell here is underwater. Hmm. Uh, that, uh, so that he says, they made this little aquarium tank. Oh, I've seen that one. Hmm. Okay. I got in the wet, I got into a wetsuit and climbed in, and then somebody would reach down with an oxygen tank ventilator thingy-wingy, and I'd breathe, and then they'd take that out, and then there was a yoke made out of, I don't know, uh, wooden fake sand, and looked like my head was buried in sand underwater. Hmm. And they take, you know, he take, so he take hold of his breath and do a bit of a fill of footage until he starts going, help! Uh, and then it gives more air. Uh, yeah, interesting. Now, a bit more notes. Oh, yeah. Ray Mendez, an entomologist with the American Museum of Natural History, and David Brody provided 20,000 cockroaches for the segment They're Creeping Up on You. Hmm. Now, in the final scene, though, in which the room is almost filled with cockroaches, many of the apparent insects are actually nuts and raisins, as specified by Tom Savini. This is what I was referring to yeah. earlier. Yeah, so... Hey, what a waste of food. They could have, had, hey, they could have given it the cockroaches. They could have had a party. I think they probably would have ate it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of clever. Using um, almonds and, I mean, well, that, they, well, what colour is uh, a cockroach? They're brownies and blackies and, yeah, yeah. And raisins are brownie, dark, dark brownie sort of things. And yeah, some of the nuts would have had brown, dark brown shells on them. So, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and from that last shot in the... Um, Film it did, it did look like like there was like more than just one cockroach in the area. Uh, he had a problem. He had an infestation. You would not believe, believe it. it. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, you have to get a pest control man. He wouldn't come near the place. Probably now. No. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the uh, critiques. Yeah. But I will go through a couple. Rotten Tomatoes gave seventy four percent. Uh, it's uneven, it's as anthologies often are, but Creepshow is colourful, frequently frequently funny, and treats its inspiration with infectious reverence. So they liked it, okay? Uh, Roger Ebert, who I'm a bit hot and cold in him sometimes, he liked it. Um, it Romero and King have a, a protest movie with humour and affection as well as an appreciation of the, of the macabre. Way to go. So, yeah, so he, he, he's a hard nut to get past, Roger. Yeah, uh, well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, some of the other guys there have said pretty much the same things. A couple of weird ones, like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Nah, anyone over a 12-year-old wouldn't like it. Well, yeah, it's nah, not nah. meant for a 12-year-old. No, said anyone over a 12-year-old wouldn't like it. Mm. Yeah, well, that man, uh, grow up, you know. I mean, how, how can he know? How will he know? Yeah, he's not no. 12. Um, now, despite its slightly negative re- reviews but more positive ones. Uh, it didn't get a lot of box office, but it's become a cult horror, uh, horror cult classic. Hmm. 
Mm. I know, uh, I have been really And Bravo, whoever Bravo is, awarded it the 99th spot on their 100 scariest movie moments. Mm, cool. Mostly for the scene with the cockroaches. Blah, blah. I won't say what they did because that would be a spoiler, but the cockroach sequence in it. Uh, it yeah. They thought it was rather scary and creepy. It, mm. did, it was reminiscent of Alien. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, now there's some, um, a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, yeah. uh, Legacy. Uh, we were talking about things. There was two spin-off movies on this creep show, two and uh, creep show three. I think they tried to do a web series called Creepshow Raw, which didn't get off the ground. They'd done some other animated shows yeah, or they, series. Um, They'd done a lot of different things. Mm. But also, I didn't know that Tales of the Dark Side was a spin-off. Mm. Yeah, so, it was. But they couldn't use the name. Of course not. Because there's a title battle going on, so they changed it to Tales of the Dark Side. Mm, I see. Uh-huh. So, so that's so. why they couldn't uh, call it Creepshow 4 yeah. or 3. Well, the, the TV shows. Oh, the TV. Oh, yeah, the TV yeah, show. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that 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 franchise. Um, because I, did, I think they did a movie, pilot movie, then all those TV shows. I wonder how I they were able to get yeah. around the red tape for yeah. the actual current TV, TV show. They probably paid a license fee. Mm, they probably did. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Mm. Or maybe the same studio, or I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. No, no, it doesn't. Um. Okay. Right. Uh, no, 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 I'm not going to, not going to read all these other notes. I've got lots of it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Nah, that's Needless to say, it's available for sale. <laughs> eBay has lots and lots and lots of them. Amazon is available on uh, Prime. Um, so if you want to have a look at it uh, or for another uh, streaming source or whatever you can find, you can get access to it. But remember, it's Creepshow 1982. Yeah, do not confuse it with the TV series or the animation or uh, any of the other year. stuff. You don't want that. Yeah. Trust and me. And if you do go looking for it and buy, trying to buy one, remember, back in 82, it would have been on VHS or Beta, make sure you get a DVD or a Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And be careful not to get a VHS or whatever. No, either. well, unless you got a VHS playing your purest... I knew a guy a couple of years ago, he was still collecting... Old big, there's big laser discs. They're about the size of a, a, a record. Old, a record, a big record, an album. Uh, and because he, he said he liked the idea of having the old original stuff, so he he used to collect old laser players. So if we had a breakdown, he'd have a laser player, mm. and he used to collect the laser discs. And mm. they go, wow, that that is that's a collector. Yeah, mm, it's uh, a collector. Yeah, but I don't he, know what happened to him though. Who? I wonder what happened to him. I don't know. I got more stock than him now. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> See, he's a purist. He used, to, he used to sort of go out there and get stuff uh, different ways, and I get mine different ways. I borrowed things and copy them and stuff from friends and whatever. And yeah, so he, he had to pay for all his. I was, I, I bought a lot of mine. Don't don't get me wrong. I do the right thing, but where I can borrow, beg, borrow, or steal. Oh yeah, I'll get it. Yeah, mm. and add it to the collection. Mm. And um, I got a huge collection. And that's where this daughter of mine got a taste for old movies. I still yeah. do. I still like um, the, a mixture here and there. Well, you like the old movies and the new movies, but you, you got a t- taste for my old 50s horror and sci-fi. That's why you made a movie based on that sort of stuff. 
True, true. Yeah. Anyway, um, I have got little more to say. I mean, if we got into it, we could talk about everything and then give all the spoiler alerts away, and I don't want to do that. No, I mean, it's, yeah. I know that's been around for such a long time, and as much as I would love to indulge and tell you guys all the gory details on every single um, segment... I'd rather not want to tell you guys because then you guys well, won't lot, go ahead and watch it. It'll give the whole lot away. Um, we want to leave some surprises for you. Yeah, at least and get um, enjoyment out of it. Can we say, it's a little bit short. We've got a few minutes to spare. Do you want to talk about anything else about George Romero or anything? Or? Yeah, I mean, did you guys know, when I looked up about George Romero in the book, he, um, I, I probably mentioned it in the past, but he was actually... When he was auditioning actors for Night of the Living Dead or in Dawn of the Dead, he was not. I mean, he didn't. He didn't consider his um, heroes. To, he didn't want to make them African. You know, he didn't. He didn't. In his, when he was auditioning, yeah, no, no, he didn't he, consider um, he casting just Af- African Americans for his production because no, he was throughout the scripts. If you ever look at a script, you'll find that that's the last thing you do, you do mention no. in a script. You don't mention, no. amp- you know, the um, the race. I will translate that. What Sarah's trying to say when he actually did uh, an idea of the ca- a casting list, yeah. what he wanted, he didn't specify. Oh, I want an Afro-American. I want a Chinese. I yeah, want a white American. So, no, yeah. but whoever came up with the goods acting wise at the auditions was what he chose. So yeah. if he had a Afro-American person in the role, that's because he's the yeah. best actor for yeah. the role, not because he's, yeah. oh, I better put a token person in there. His main goal yeah. in mm. making mm. movies like this mm. is that mm. he wants to have a bit of a, you know, make sure that there's a bit of mixture of different people. Yeah, like, like you would do. When you walk down the street, in, well, I don't know where you live, but I mean, I know where I walk down the street here, I see Chinese, I see the odd Indians, I see other people who look like me but are definitely come yeah. from Europe so they might come yeah. from Poland or somewhere so we have a cosmopolitan area yeah, here so yeah. a lot of people hmm. who are a hate culture thing at the moment who are going through yeah, some people get a bit funny about they that they get funny about um, hmm. different con- different communities mixing in a, in a movie yeah. or a TV yeah. show uh, but I, love, I, I hate the reverse bias me too what's right. reverse bias mm. yeah, reverse on. bias is where Oh, we're going to put a movie to, or a TV together. We must put a Chinese person in, and we've got to put an Afro-American. Okay, we have to sense. do that, and because oh, they'll keep everybody happy. Let's reverse by taking the other way. They put mm. them in whether they can do the job or not. Mm. You get. I always maintain you get the best actor mm. to portray a role. And imagine when yep. he was casting, mm. but you know the some of the guys in the, his stories. I think he was just um, he was just trying to find the best one who would fit. The picture. Yeah. Take Candyman. Great movie, right? Right. Now, it's supposed to be... Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, I think you're meaning Tony Todd. Yeah, no, the role he played. Um, uh, the, um, well, and the, the artist guy he portrayed was supposed to be uh, a slave or from a slave family. Yeah. Who was, was an artist. Well, all the slaves were Afro-American, so he couldn't really very well put a white guy in there, a Chinese guy, so it had to be an Afro-American. Mm. So then you can obviously specify, I need to have an Afro-American guy who can play that sort of role. Mm. And obviously you go through Afro-American artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that sort of stuff. Mm. And that's what you do. But um, you, you couldn't have a white guy playing it. You see? Yeah. You couldn't have a Chinese, it's supposed to be American slave cast. So yeah. 
So that's about the only time you can actually pick a race colour creed sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Although a lot of people have picked um, Ramon's movies apart, you know, said some nasty things about... Ramon? Um, Romero. Romero, sorry. Um, <laughs> Ramon, um, Rome, George A. Romero. Um, they often pick apart his movies by saying nasty things about why you keep casting a protagonist as an African-American. It, it's not... Um, I think he does do when he's auditioning. He probably doesn't just like but, any other director. He looks through everyone's work and see if they got the right stuff for the yeah, character. The right stuff. They're and right. they then he then rolls with that character. Rolls mm, with that exactly. actor. That's what you do. They're the best one for the role. Mm. How do you look at the olden days when they started making movies? Mm. This is a fun bit of mine. Lon Chaney Senior. Mm-hmm used to go to the film studios mm. and they used to have people just come in there, look at a, a job board and say, oh, we're looking for an Indian, we're looking for a Chinaman, we're looking at so-and-so. And say, okay, it's just like, because it was all silent back in those days. Uh-huh. Say, okay, there's a Chinese guy. Oh, the Chinese role for me. I'll go to that studio there. I'm a Chinese guy. Yeah. And I'll, no, wait a minute. I'm mm, not finished. Go on, you're saying? Long Chaney, he'd say, looking for an Indian, there's no Indians here. He had his makeup box with him, so he made himself look like an Indian. He put some toner on his skin and different things, highlight his eyes differently, whatever, and made himself look like an Indian. And he'd go and do the Indian role, mm. or he'd do such, some other role, or something else, whatever. Yeah. So he had his makeup box with him every time he went to the studio, so he could get lots of roles. Yeah, and yeah. as I said mm. before to, to you guys, um, um, when George didn't have enough cast members to work on his film project, he would often go ahead and get his crew members to take part. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I mean, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's a small production where you're keeping the budget down. Yeah, you, you use what you got. Yeah, even yeah. Um, um, Tom Savini's um, wife or girlfriend, I think, Little in what? Dawn of the De- Dead, she also participated as one of the zombies in that mo- in that movie. So you see, um, George A. Romero. He was a team. He's a, or a big team player. He like he wanted to make sure everyone got you know did their fair share of work. Yeah, and if you're gonna be a dead body, well, you have anybody. Yeah, you car park attendant, get here, lay down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I remember. Five minutes. I remember yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. doing the zombie movie thing. He told his um the actors to do what you like to pr- just walk funny do your own thing yeah. doesn't matter if it has to be looking like someone else how they walk just um, do yeah, what well, you yeah somebody might have a sore leg yeah. somebody might have two good legs mm-hmm. somebody might be in a wheelchair no uh, well, haven't they never seen a zombie in a wheelchair have you nada uh, funny that yeah, so he's uh, he knows what he's doing there. I got to admit, you got to give the man credit. He knows how to do his productions. Yeah. Now I, I read somewhere, and I, I could be wrong, and I could have part of the information wrong, that when George Romero was making his first movies, he inspired some of the other movie makers of the time to make budget movies because he 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 made well, I'd say. Good movies, but no, they might be B movies going towards an A movie. Um, he made them on a pretty shoestring budget sort of thing, mm. and they said, "Hey, he can make these movies for a fraction of the cost that we can make it for. Mm. Why don't we take a leaf out of his book and do something like what he's doing, mm. budget-wise?" So yeah, mm. he, he sort of—I wouldn't say led the way, but he, he opened people's eyes up to doing things a bit more cost-effective. Yeah, while yeah. some people mm. think. Mm. He started off as a, his um, 
He's an independent one, obviously. Yeah, like he started very off, independent. But mm. now, but even though he's long passed away and gone, but he would, but years later but he not was forgotten, not forgotten. But yeah. he was considered um, one of his be- uh, better minds. You know, years later, yeah, when yeah. you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that when you think about newer filmmakers like the J.J. Um, Abrams or the other guys, they just go to the studios and get hired, you know, well, worked on the film project, well, and yeah, they, you, you, and they never even think about the struggles of being an independent filmmaker. Yeah, but you, well, you get a production company has got an idea right to make a movie, and they turn around and say, mm, okay, who can we get to direct this? Yeah, they'll, they'll go and pay someone like Abrams or somebody else to go along there. Yeah. Can you direct a movie for us? I'll look at the script. Yeah, what? That script, I'll give it a go. And mm. that's it. It's a, it's a, but, yeah. it's, but to me, I mean, mm. I prefer to see a producer-director involved instead of just a producer hiring mm. a director because sometimes a director isn't quite on the same page unless I, a director's mm-hmm. been instrumental in the screenwriting. Yeah, see, that's not like George A. Ramirez, uh, not, no, um, J.J. Abrams, because... Uh, the ending of the Star what was the Star Wars movie? Which one was it? The uh, that was the lo- uh, let me see the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Uh, didn't like the ending. Oh, wait, wait, it wasn't the Last no, Jedi. Uh, it was the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Sorry. Skywalker. Yeah, really bad ending. And J J Abrams made a comment. He wasn't good at writing endings. Well, if that's the case, why didn't he get someone to ghostwrite with him to fix up the ending before it put it down? As a uh, finished product. Mm. So yeah, he made a mistake. Mm. Uh, he could be a good screenwriter, he could be a good director, but it didn't show up in that movie at the end. Mm. So, yeah, that's what Sarah's trying to say. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like sometimes when we when we do movies like th- these movies these days, the newer ones, I feel like sometimes um, they... Lo- they lose something in the cr- in the translation. I like know, I know what's wrong. What's for that? The industry is stale. You look at me quizzically. Okay, I'll explain what I mean. Stale, mm-hmm. and a lot of you out there probably understand where I'm coming, where I'm coming from. There's no new ideas. No. It's all been done before. Mm. Oh, we're going to do another sci-fi. Oh, we're yeah. going to do another slasher film. Okay, well, how can yeah. we make this one interesting? Yeah, there's nothing mm. new coming out, and the same mm. tired old people trying to. Ch- breathe life into an old story theme, mm. whatever it's going to be, and try to make it more interesting so they can put some more product out there. Uh, and the problem is that all the inspiration, the insight, all the energy is coming from the, dare I say, the independent guys who are trying to break into the industry. Yeah, they're much more These interesting. These guys are frowned upon by the older guys who have been here for years and years and years. Of course, they think kind of lose something out of it. And on the yeah. quite the contrary, they should take them on board and learn from them and assimilate them into their own production teams and actually make a good production team. Mm. Yeah, considering yeah. that almost a lot of the, like those, like that core movie we reviewed a while back, yeah. I still think that what should want should definitely would have gone to to mainstream in theaters. When I think about that, yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. It annoys me that so many of these these promising independent or not so independent films are going directly to um, Shutter or well, or Netflix and they're not yeah. given a fair shake. But I, I the, don't care yeah. whether they go to the theatre or Netflix or whatever or straight DVD. If there's a market and the guys who make it and get credited, uh, decent accreditation for making it, mm. but didn't you say at one stage uh, the Oscars has a problem 
they only do they don't things do with the uh, yeah, it's uh, they're only looking at stuff that have theatrical releases. Well, now for the COVID virus, a lot of stuff's been going straight to the internet. Yeah, or stream or anyway. streaming or whatever. So it's not going through the normal uh, system. They have to re- uh, reinvent the wheel here and take these guys into consideration yeah. when they're evaluating movies made during the course of whatever year it is. Yeah, I practically mm. said this like a hundred times, guys. Yeah. We need to uh, finalise or at least adapt yeah, exactly. um, the industry. The industry's got to grow or go. And at the moment, it's not looking real good. Yeah, so many. The bastions there, Hollywood and other countries there. Mm. Um, really? You, 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 you got it wrong. You had it right for so many decades. Uh, yeah, I and, don't know what's And, and putting these stone walls up and putting these unrealistic yeah. sort of rules in place, yeah. you're going to destroy the uh, Yeah, and so many, yeah. In, in de- so many well-loved filmmakers that have made, have made their mark have just stooped to streaming their, fi- their new films onto Netflix well, yeah, or... Well, if the theatres haven't been open, where are they going to show them? In the toilet? They've got to show them somewhere. I know that, but that's just the... That <laughs> no, 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 you're missing a point. If the theatres are closed, no one's going to go to no, the theatre. No, I didn't say the theatre. I mean, the theatres may not be closed because they're reopened. In re-open. America, a lot... Back when they were doing some stuff last year, a lot of the theatres were closed. No one was going to the theatre. And they had movies in the can ready to go. What are you going to do with it? Good point. They had to release it somewhere. Put yeah. it online, whatever, stream it, whatever. Well, some of them are still it. in the can, so to speak. Some are waiting and to be released. Yeah, I know even that. Some yeah. of them are postponed. Thanks, you know, to next year or the year after that right. to be released. Yeah, but now. some some people can't wait. They need the money back. Mm-hmm. I don't blame. So them. they release the movie so they can be whether it goes streaming. They're getting money back. Yeah. <laughs> so they can put you know feed the cat. You know, that yeah. sort of stuff. You know? So I I do get annoyed that so many well respected f- filmmakers out there are getting their work placed on stream instead of in the theaters. Even after uh, the lock, say some parts of America and Australia are no longer have to worry about the cinema. You know, yeah. they open the cinema and yeah, the doors yeah. now, and they're allowing the people in. But yeah. now they um they've done this. They there's still not very many worthwhile some movies people, to some, watch. Some 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 people aren't going to theatre in some areas because they're still worried about getting sick. Mm-hmm. Even those theaters are open, so yeah, they've mm-hmm. got to try and get money. Yes, yeah, so. anyway, don't worry about it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Hey, let's, rate, let's rate this. I'm going to give this. Gee, da, 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 da. I just came through my cash register head brain. Uh, I'm going to give it about nine. nine. Yeah. I'm going to give this ten and a half. Ten and a half. Because yeah. it's pretty good, and I think it's. I do like the fact it's a class. It's become a cult classic it's a cult now. Classic, yeah. Or pop cult classic. Pop cult classic, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Whatever you may call it. Popcorn and, classic. And I think no, it's no, no, even no. Cool, cool that they do still show it in special film events oh, here and there. Oh, of course. It's, 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 it's movies like this. It's where other people want to do something. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of anthologies, like Tales from the Hood, different things. They would have got the yeah. right ideas and this sort of stuff. Oh, instantly, yeah, yeah. guys. Mike here, he showed me an older, or not older, I mean, just a different um, anthology called that's has Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe movie. Uh, uh, an know, old stories. movie done in, I think, it was the 60s. Um, 60s? Yeah. Uh, called Spirits of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, it had several different stories based on Edgar Allan Poe. Um, yeah, the first two were good. 
But the third one, it had ba- baffled me. I now, the last one is supposed to baffle you. It's mm. surrealistic. Mm-hmm. And you have to be really switched on to... I won't go into too much, but Spirits of the Dead. It's an old movie. Uh, Terence Stamp plays in the last story. If you can find a copy of it, I haven't checked if it's available, have a look at it. Now, now be careful. I mean, I had... I. When I looked at it, the copy I had, the original copy, was the European copy uh, with subtitles. So I had to get another copy, mm. uh, which had been anglicised. Because I think some of the... It, it was done in Europe. So a lot of the people, even though they had some American actors in it, a lot of people were actually speaking in foreign tongues. Yeah, because this was um, filmed in both Paris and Italy, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 France and Italy, but the the local guys were speaking local language and the Americans and English were speaking in English Mm. and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so they did everything in a foreign language. And I actually think that uh, Jane Fonda, who's also in it, and maybe Terence Stamp were actually speaking in the foreign language because they might have had French as a second language that they knew how to speak it. Yeah, that sort of stuff. So if we look at their lips, might look out of sync. They're not. They've been dubbed. Yeah, so, you could tell that, that it's been mm. dubbed because by them the way they yeah because they're speaking. The the, even Jane Fonda is an English speaking lady, American. Uh, she might have been speaking French for her role, mm. and then they, they'd sit on the soundtrack over it to do her voice again in English. I wonder yeah. how people mm. do that. You know, um, you know, speak it in uh, a foreign language, but at the same time. Do a separate one at the studio, no, and they, then they're going to do one film, and it's all that it, stuff. And they're going to do two takes of the same thing. And two well, I didn't say different two takes. I meant like they filmed, they recorded in a studio I just somewhere, said that. and I then just said that. film I just it said and that. do it in English and all stuff. I just said that. Hmm. They did the film probably in the foreign language, and they went to the studio and did the the voiceovers for the English. Uh, well, I just wonder how That's they why I just said how they were that. able to do that with uh, making sure it's fits with their where they speak and they watch and the movie how long they watch the movie in the studio and stand there at a microphone and talk in the microphone and what's the, another thing <laughs> is um, what if they change the wording no they don't they've got a script mm-hmm. I see <laughs> okay you should know that I know that but uh, speaking in a foreign language can be a l- yeah but know, the word's going to be a little longer. bit different but it's going to still be the same word just transfer from one language no that's why they can look a little bit out of sync. When you get a, chi- uh, say, an Asian like Japanese or Chinese or something rather, when you anglicise it, it's more noticeable because they uh, use a slightly different muscle control when they're talking and it's more noticeable. When you've got a European doing it, it's not quite so uh, noticeable. Hmm. Yeah, I've noticed that. So, yeah, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, interesting, that. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, Spirits of the Dead, I think it's 1960-something. Yeah, and before you ask, yeah. guys, we're not sure about reviewing that one yet. No, Sarah's not sure about it, but it's a good look. If you want creepy horror, mm. uh, yeah, Spirits of the Dead. And uh, there's also another yeah. one, I think. Another thing you should mention, uh, Mike, is that if you don't watch this movie when you're, when you're sober. Stop it. What? Okay, Because most uh, of it was I watched it when I was sober, when I was a kid, I liked it. Now, what I was going to say, there's also an English one, and I think it's, I think it's, called The Dead of Night and that was done I think by Ealing Studios in London or somewhere. I remember and, that one. And that's creepy. Yeah, it and was. That's, that's, um, yeah, it was. I just can't remember who the actors are now but it's an old movie. It's an old black and white movie. It is creepy. I think uh, John Mills plays the, an architect or something and 
I just can't remember all the other. All the British actors, I can't remember. Yeah, the names and of. it's all. Um, it's really creepy. Creepy. And uh, yeah, so I think yeah, I think it's Dead of Night that one. Yeah, that one always creeps me out. And it goes back out. to the fifties, late mid to late fifties. Yeah, I think, I think. that yeah. they used. Um, um, I think that they when years later they kind of ba- they kind of got some ideas from that for another you know oh, anthology yeah. i can't remember the yeah. name obviously but i think they got the idea of um the similar idea that the guy is actually sleeping and he keeps on dreaming he, he, the same he, 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 he's in a dream loop he, yeah. it starts off he wakes up in the morning oh, oh i got to, i've had that dream again not nightmare whatever and i've got this job at the country's job I've been off and up country, got to go up there and see the people. And he drives up there and he comes up near the country house and he recognises the place from his dream. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, the movie, he wakes up. Oh, I had that dream again. Mm-hmm. And it starts off and he goes there and he drives this country home again and he sees a country home. So it's probably a dream within a dream, within, within a, a dream. dream, or he's stuck in a dream loop. I've got no idea. Yeah. Or maybe he could be crazy, he could be a nuthouse. I don't know. Really. Yeah, the interesting <laughs> thing in that, you know, in, in that but both movies is that they never even, um, well, they, while I said I had this weird dream and then they seem, I think they even forgot it. Because when you think about it, when you have nightmares... Yeah, look, most people, when they have a dream or a nightmare or whatever, they don't it's, no, it's fresh in your mind for a little bit of time when you first wake up and then it starts to disappear. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you don't yeah. remember the details, you just remember feelings. Feelings and the odd image and that's about it. But this guy's reliving this every time he goes to sleep or whatever. Or he's stuck in this dream, a dream within a dream within a dream within a dream sort of thing. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good concept. But I, I did have that one in it, the last story was a, a, a ventrilial stomach dummy comes to life and that's been used in several anthologies in different ways over the years and different stories and that was the first time i saw a ventriloquist dummy come to life and it scared the crap out of me when i first saw it as a kid mm. and there's i never liked ventriloquist dummies ever since mm, yeah <laughs> it's like gnomes i hate gnomes <laughs> Don't tell, tell that to the gnomes. Oh, I hate that. Sorry, gnomes. Uh, if any gnomes are listening, I just, I'm not personal. Just you guys creep me out too. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I think that's about it. I'm, we're going all over the cho- top no, with no, the no, anthology. No, no. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, spirits of spirits are dead. If you can get it, yeah. Remember, Terence Stamps. I think back in the 1960s. But uh, if if you get the foreign copy, it should be subtitled. But if you get the uh, English speaking one, be be mindful it's dubbed. Okay. okay. Anyway, guys. that's about it for us Be tonight. Good. So thanks for listening to this latest podcast, everyone. And we'll see you guys for our next one. So this is Sarah Stevenson. And Michael. Mike saying, uh, saying see you guys around. Like a whistle. Bye. Bye.